I'm so glad you're here today in the house of God, those online. Thanks for being here today. Glad you're with us. Come on, we're just going to, uh, before we get into the word today, we're so excited. We're doing a series called Hope, Hope, Hopeful. Hopefully, that's what it is. Sorry, <laughs> I got my own title. Hopefully, and so we're going to be spending this month talking about hope and just uh, really want to encourage you and come on, restore your faith in God. But before we do that, just a couple of kind of house uh, kind of things for us. Uh, we are making some uh, great changes in our leadership. We're excited about that. We've been praying for, um, is he here? Is he here? I know you are. Andrew, are you back there, brother? Stop talking. Come to church. We, uh, we, we've been praying for youth pastors. And uh, one of the things we're believing this year is that God's going to send us a, an amazing couple who will come and serve our youth ministry. We have over, you know, 30 young people in our youth ministry. And so we just want to serve them. And so we've been praying for them. So would you pray with us this year? Uh, God willing, in the beginning of the year, God will send someone. Uh, but in the, in the meantime, uh, he's probably in the washroom. He goes to the bathroom so much. He's got a problem. He needs to get that checked. <laughs> um, Andrew and Brittany have, uh, we've asked them to take over the youth ministry here uh, as interim youth pastors. It's ironic because Brittany was in my youth ministry uh, like a long time ago. <laughs> so, wow, 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 wow. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. So, uh, Andrew and Brit Brittany, stand up for a minute. Everyone knows you, but just say hi. Andrew, oh, there he is. Did you go to the washroom? What terrible timing, Andrew. Well, Andrew, come on. If you just brush your teeth once in a while, you wouldn't need a bit, dude. Come on, this is uh, Andrew and Brad, and they're just going to be serving and helping us out. And uh, come on, put your hands together for him. And um, we also have uh, a couple of new uh, couples joining our, our youth team. But come on, pray with us. These guys are going to do a great job. We're going to have an amazing time. And they're just kind of hanging out until someone comes in and says, hey, can I take over for you? <laughs> They'll say, yes. And uh, not only that, but also, uh, you see in the room, Yinka's in the back here. Yinka, why don't you stand up for a minute? Yinka and Kenang. Uh, Yinka and Kenang are our mahogany group leaders, uh, but they're also going to be over taking over our foundations uh, ministry of the church. And what the foundations ministry of the church is, basically, if you find Christ in our church, we want to make sure that you are discipled and right on a track to know the Lord. And so we're going to be starting a foundations class on Sundays uh, between services. And uh, Yinka and Kenan are going to, it's eight weeks, and they're going to walk through just the basis of knowing Jesus. Also launching something called First 40, which if you find Christ in our church, for the first 40 days, we're going to couple someone with you that can partner with you, encourage you, pray with you, and make sure that you're on the right track. So that, we think that's pretty cool. And so they're going to be doing that. And lastly, we're also excited to be starting something new this year called Discover 2. <laughs> Uh, and Discover 2 is for people who are looking just to kind of take that next step, kind of become a member or a partner of Love City Church. We're actually been providing our Discover 1 and our Discover 2 on Sundays as well during the second service every first and third. And so if you haven't gone through Discover 1, you can do that on a Sunday coming up here. And if, if huh? Oh, today. Okay, go ahead. Go today if you want. Uh, and then our Discover 2 is just kind of the next steps and what it looks like to be a disciple. Uh, what, you know, what we're trying to really, if I can use this word, produce as a church, as what does a disciple look like? And then really talk to you about what it looks like to be a, a partner in Love City Church and help us build a great church and plant hundreds of churches, and send missionaries and see lost people saved and disciples made. Amen. I know this is a 9 a.m. service, but you know I like you to talk to me. So come on, Christian, right there, buddy. Let me hear an amen. 
the most the most meek guy in the room. <laughs> I call him out. Fantastic. Thank you, Alana. Come on. And also at the very end of the month, we decided to do something for the first time every six years or every year for the last six years. We have fasted the first uh, January and September, and we decided this year we wanted to get everybody in the church on board, and so we're going to focus in on seven days, and we're going to do seven days of prayer and fasting, where we're going to have worship here every single uh, day, Monday to Friday during that week uh, for lunch hour, and uh, what we're going to do during that time is I'm going to ask everyone, I know this is going to be a big ask, okay, are you ready? Drum roll, please. I'm going to ask every person in the church to fast some, some sort of food. Oh, because I believe, yes, you can fast all sorts of things, social media, all those things. I'm not opposed to that. But I just want to try to get our church on the same page for seven days to fast food. And this is why we want God to move in a powerful way in our church. I got to tell you, I do not, do not want to pastor or nor be in a church that is sleepy, snoozy, apathetic Christians. I want to be in a church and lead a church that is passionate for the presence of the Lord and wants to be on mission for Jesus Christ. Amen, 9 a.m.? Amen. Wow, you guys are getting it. All right. Well, come on, let's jump into our series today, uh, our first week. We're so excited uh, to be jumping into this. Uh, we were sitting around our staff, and, man, what do we want to start the year off? We want to start the year off by encouraging people in the area of hope. Hope for this year, hope for tomorrow, hope for, really, uh, the afterlife, for hope for the future. And so we're going to spend uh, the next four weeks, uh, and then next month we're going to be doing a series called, as I mentioned, Unseen Battles. And I'm going to go a little bit uh, against culture next month. I'm going to do a little attack attack mission on culture. And uh, I'll probably lose some of you, but I love you. Uh, I hope you find a great church that doesn't attack culture. Uh, but um, I'm going to just go after it because I believe there is an unseen battle against our families, against our children, and I want to call it out into the light and uh, be, expose it. Amen. But come on, as 2023 starts, I want to just have a message of hope for you, a message of hope, a message of, uh, of hope for your future, hope for what God has for this year, a hope to believe that every word that God said over your life will come to pass. And I got to tell you, as I mentioned in, uh, uh, this morning, uh, you know, 2022 started and we came into the year not expecting to happen what happened. You know, we started 2020 U, 2020 U, 2, you know what I mean? And uh, COVID hit us hard, and, and now we're starting 2023, and I, I gotta, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm a little bit like, man, what's going to happen this year? I'm a little bit like, you know, a little bit leery to, like, you know, make commitments and things like that because I'm like, shoot, that really hit our world oddly hard, and it seemed weird, and it was like, what's going to happen next? You know, what's, what's the world have for us next? And I want to just build a hope in you that no matter what happens this year, no matter what happens in your life, no matter what happens in your finances, no matter what happens in your family, no matter if you experience loss or gain, we can remain to have hope in Jesus Christ. We have a hope that is not a hope in things that are temporal and a hope that are things that are natural. We have a hope in a, in a Christ and a God who remains forever. 9 a.m., are you here? Not only that, but we have a hope for eternity. We have a hope knowing that this is a short life. Life is short, and if life is short, I'm going to make it matter most by giving my life to Jesus and being on mission for Jesus Christ. But guess what? This life is but a glimpse. We live for a life of eternity. So I have a hope in Christ, not just for today, but I have a hope for tomorrow that guess what? That when you and I die, we never die. We, we continue to live in Christ. And so we want to continue to in, encourage you in these things. And the idea of hope is that it's a feeling of expectation or anticipation or a desire for certain things to happen in your life. It's a 
it's a, not just wishful thinking, but a firm assurance. There's a few quotes here that I, I found. Man can live about, man and woman, see, women can live this long too. Man and, and, and women can live about 40 days without food, about three days without water, about eight minutes without air, but only for one second without hope. Look what Chuck Swindoll said in this quote. Hope is something as important to us as water is to a fish, as vital as electricity is to a light bulb, as essential as air is to, to a jumbo jet. Hope is basic to life. Without that needed spark of hope, we are doomed to a dark, grim existence. And this is one of the reasons we exist as a church. Wow, there's a lot of people coughing. Everyone okay? We need a, do you need a lozenge or something? <laughs> Settle down, everybody. You're trying to scare me. <laughs> It's happening again. <laughs> okay, anyways. One of the reasons we exist as a church is if you think about it, I've spent a lot of time considering this. Man, how do people go through life without Jesus? How do people experience loss and death and sickness and, and disappointments without Jesus? We have a hope in Christ that prevails past the, the realities of today, we have a hope in Christ that, 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 that goes beyond the, the momentary challenges that we face, the, the trials and the tribulations that we see with our lives. How do people go through life without knowing Jesus? That's why we exist, is to help people experience the hope of Christ. That no matter what you go through, we can still remain steadfast knowing that Christ remains. And our hope can be in him. Uh, there was a research done on the idea of hope. And these uh, scientists, if you have a hard time with animals dying, you plug your ears for the next few minutes. Uh, the, the scientists took two sets of rats. They'd be okay with rats dying, I don't know. But two sets of rats. And what they wanted to see was, was uh, what hope would do on these rats. And so they took a group of rats and they put some of them in water. And the goal was to try to see if they could swim for 24 hours. And so here they are. These rats are in this pool swimming. And they have one over here that are just trying to swim. And obviously, as we know, every single one of those rats died. But then they took another uh, set of rats and they put them in water. And about every two hours or two and a half hours, they would reach down quickly and pull out the rat and put it back in the water. Just a few seconds. And they saw that these rats could swim up to 24 hours. It wasn't just because it gave them a needed rest. It was because they knew that if I can just keep going, someone's going to pull me out of this mess for at least a moment. It was a, an experiment on hope knowing that you and I can face trials and tribulations in our life knowing, okay, God, you know my limitations. You know how far I can go. You know what I can take. And at any moment, you're going to pull me out of this mess for a moment. Give me a breather. Restore hope into my heart. Rejuvenate the word of God in my life. And you might just put me back into that moment. But the Bible never promises that we won't have trouble. The Bible actually often teaches that God doesn't take us out of our mess. He helps us through it. And how does he help us through it? He gives us hope. He gives us hope in him. He gives us hope in our life. He gives us hope. And hope is what keeps us pushing forward through tough circumstances. And hope is this powerful force in our lives. And what it is, those researchers, that's Jesus. That's our hope in Christ. The Lord, I know you're going to be there for me. I know that you're going you're gonna to stand by my side. I know that when at the very last moment you're going to come through. God, I know with all of my heart I have a hope and a belief that you will remain steadfast. And look what it says in Romans 15, 13. Now many, may the God of hope, God's a God of hope, fill you with all joy and peace as you believe in him so that you may abound in hope 
by the power of the Holy Spirit. But there is a problem with hope. Hope has a bit of an, uh, uh, an issue. The scripture teaches us the wisest man on the planet other than Christ wrote this in Hebrews 13, 12. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. There's nothing worse than having your hopes dashed. There's nothing worse than being in a relationship that, that you thought was going to go a certain direction and then it falls apart. There's nothing worse than hoping that this job that you're praying for, that you're hoping for is going to come through and at the last moment it falls apart. Don't worry if you're hoping for that job. It's going to come through. Don't worry. <laughs> There's like five people in the room who are about to get jobs. This is the worst message ever. <laughs> There's nothing worse in life when we have hopes for ministry or hopes for things to work out or hopes for things. That, and then they, they don't work out like we hope that they will. We have an idea in our mind, and we, man, I hope it'll work out. That word deferred there literally means it's like a delayed hope. It's, it's when someone, when something happens in our life that's different than we anticipated. And look what it says. It actually makes our heart sick. And that word sick there literally means, it means wounded. It means that, that we're, we're, when we come to that same situation again where we're required to have hope for this job or this promotion or, man, that ministry opportunity, we're a little bit, like, reserved. Right? We're not filled with hope. We're, we're like, well, hopefully. Hopefully it'll work out. Hopefully, like, you know, God will keep his word. Hopefully, you know, the marriage will work out. Hopefully, hopefully things will pan out like I hope that they will. It goes from being hope filled to being hopefully. What happens is, is that this wounds our heart and not a single person on the planet can get away from the problem of hope. Every one of us here is impacted. And what I've realized in my life is that often when my hopes are dashed, I find if my heart is wounded, it's because I had too much hope in something that was always going to let me down. The only thing that can remain, that can fill my life with hope is Jesus. Nothing is void of falling apart. Nothing is void. That job not going through or that relationship maybe not getting together as quickly as I hoped it would. Those things are not a promise, but one promise remains. God is with us and God can help us and God will provide for us and God has our best intentions in mind and that God will provide an opportunity for you that you never even thought. He will go above and beyond all that you could ask or dream or imagine. This is what God wants to build in our heart is a hope. Now, what I want to do for the rest of our time here today is I want to jump into the Gospels and I want to just walk through Scripture. And I want to just paint a picture for you and just give you a few encouraging thoughts from the words of Jesus. It's found in John chapter 5. And in John chapter 5, this is a, a pretty uh, well-known story. Uh, John chapter 5, verses um, uh, 2 to 3. And it says this. Let me get there. In Jerusalem, there is a pool with five porches called Bethesda, near the Sheep Gate. Inside these porches lay many sick people. Some were blind, some could not walk, some could not move their bodies. In parentheses, a copyist later added this. It was an added context. The angel of the Lord came at a certain time and made the water move, and all of them were waiting for it to move. Whoever got in the water first after it was moving was healed of whatever sickness that he had. And a man was there who had been sick for 38 years. Jesus saw him lying there and knew the man had been sick a long time. And Jesus said to him, would you like to be healed? And the sick man, I love how 
he's labeled the sick man. (laughs) The sick man said, sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is moving. While I'm coming, another one gets in first. And Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed and picked up his bed and walked. And that happened on the day of rest. And so what we have in this story here is, as you know, a pool of very sick people. The Many scholars and theologians believe that there were potentially hundreds and hundreds of sick people all gathered around this pool of Bethesda waiting for this moment when the waters would begin to stir. And what you would see in this moment would almost appear as though it was like a, a, a battlefield strewn with, with, with uh, uh, hurting and, and wounded people or a, a, a care facility of elderly people that was understaffed. And there was people who had need. And it was a, a, a dire scene, a scene of need and a scene of hardship and a scene of people who were putting all of their hope in this pool and putting all of their hope in this in this angel and putting all their hope in this one moment when the water would stir and it would rise and go down and everyone would rush to this pool to try to get in as quickly as they could. Little did they know that God himself was in their midst. Here John adds some context and it's important we see this context because what it says is that an angel stirred this pool at certain times for the water to be moved and it almost created this superstitious idea that the moment that water begins to move there's a possibility for healing and as you see all of their attention was on this one natural thing, this pool. Their focus and their eyes were on the water and their focus and their eyes were on this fountain. Now, later what we realize, and many theologians and scholars, and you're welcome to look this up yourself, would, would, would say that, that, that what they didn't realize at the time was there was a reservoir of water that would, would come around the hills and into this basin. And at times it would rise and it would go down. It would bubble forth. And this, this water had medicinal properties that certain diseases would be healed over time. We have many of those even here in Alberta where you would soak in these pools and it would heal certain diseases. And if you had a regular regiment. But what they began to see was that there was people with certain diseases who would go in this water and then they would see them walking around town fully healed. And so a superstition began to uh, be created that anyone who had a sickness, that there was an angel who must stir this pool. And if you just run to this water, then you will be healed. Imagine all of these people around this pool, all waiting for their one moment and their one miracle and their one transformation and their one marriage to be restored and their finances to be made new and life to make sense and all of these things and all of their focus is on this pool. And every single time that water would rise, the person in front who was the most able-bodied would jump up, not caring about anyone else other than themselves, would jump in that pool in hopes that that water would heal them. All of their attention all of their focus is on this natural water. And what John does is he zooms in in this moment. You'll notice that every single one of them were waiting for the water to move. This was their whole life was centered around this reality. And John zooms in on this individual who had been sick for 38 years. 38 years this guy was sick. 38 years, we don't know how long he sat by this pool, but just for a moment, imagine that there were many, many years where this guy was sick and waiting around this pool in hopes that he would get to that place where simply he would experience everything he had been hoping for. 38 years, and Jesus asks him this question, "Do do you want to be healed? It seems like a funny question for Jesus to ask. 
But I think he's addressing something in this man's heart. This guy had lost hope. He says, do you want to be healed? And the man instantly gives a picture of what he was thinking, his perspective, his, his mindset in this moment. He says, listen, I have no one. I don't, I don't have someone to help me. I'm basically stranded. Uh, there's no way this is going to work out. I am basically hopeless. I, I've been sitting around here for 38 years waiting for my miracle to come, waiting for this breakthrough to happen, waiting for my marriage to be restored, waiting for my finances to get in order, waiting for my brother to come back to the Lord, waiting, waiting, waiting. I've been sitting here waiting, waiting for this, this breakthrough in my career, waiting for my future, waiting for that ministry, waiting for that church plant, waiting for this thing. I've been sitting around waiting, 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 and now I've just accepted that it's never going to happen. You know what, 2023, I'm always going to have this sin issue in my life. I'll never see breakthrough. I'm always going to be at odds with my wife. And we're always going to fight about the same old thing. Sex and finances, over and over it goes. We're just going to keep on fighting about that same old thing. She just keeps getting on me. I'm just going to keep on fighting. Or maybe that debt's going to always be there. It'll never go away. I'm always going to be under this place of debt. I have no one to help me. I've got nothing to do. I, got, I can't make enough money to take care of that debt. Or, man, I'm never going to be able to reach that dream. Or I'm never going to be able to accomplish that goal. Or I'm always going to be single. Or life's never going to turn out like I hope. Every single time I try, I come into the new year, I set my resolutions. I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to get there. I'm going to go there. I get my hopes up. And then the whole thing falls apart. And what happens is my heart's left wounded. I come into the next year thinking, you know what? I ain't doing this again. You know what? I'm going to go to that church, but I'm not going to get involved because I don't want to get hurt again. You know what? I'm going to try with my wife, but I'm just settling the fact that we're just roommates, not lovers. This man, his mindset is like many of our mindsets where we say, gosh, like there's areas of our life that God wants us to have hope for and believe there's ministry calls and there's, there's, there's restored marriages and breakthrough in finances. And there's, but we're filled with this sense of discouragement. I'll believe for you and I'll believe for you and I'll believe for you. But when it comes to me, there's no way. I got no one to help me. I've sat over 38 years. I've been in the same rhythm. I ain't going to see the change that you say I'm going to have, Ryan. Our hearts have become sick. Hearts have been wounded. And Jesus very kindly here responds. And what I love about this scripture is that this man is not a man of great faith. He's not a hero of the faith. This man is not the kind of man that we look at and think, wow, look at all the scriptures he's memorized. Or, wow, look all the faith he has. Or, wow, we're really learning something about knowing God better from this guy. No, this guy is probably like on the bottom of the list of the faith level. And yet Jesus dismisses that reality. And I need you to hear me today. Jesus continues to minister to this man despite the fact that he is hopeless. Is it right if I could just muster up the hope, if I could just muster up the faith, if I could just muster up the excitement? No, no, no. Jesus wants to come right where you're at right now, in your hopelessness. And here's Jesus. Look how he responds. Look, look at this scripture in verse 6. It says this, 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 Jesus responded to him. And there's three things we see here that Jesus did. And what I want you to catch from this verse is this. Jesus is going to make two statements. What you need to hear from this is that even though your hope is, is, is flagging, even though you feel hopeless in this season, even though you've got areas of your life where your heart is sick, I need you to know that here it says right here, Jesus saw him. 
There were hundreds and hundreds of people there. John doesn't record Jesus talking to anyone else. What this means is this. Jesus is absolutely aware of your situation and he sees you. He sees you. He's watching you. He knows about you. He has the ability to look at every person in this room today and see every single situation that you're going through. He's not just focused on John and can't, doesn't have time for you because John's got so many troubles. Just kidding, you don't, John. It was a joke. You're supposed to laugh. He's like, oh, alter call, come forward. Just kidding. God has the capacity to care about all of our needs and all of our desires and all of what's going on all at the same time. And I know this is very basic, but you have to hear me today. Listen, his hope was deferred. He saw him and said, okay, I see you. Among all the people in this room, every one of them was sick. He saw this guy. Why? Because his heart was deferred. His heart was sick. His heart was discouraged. I believe that God loves to minister to people who have lost their hope in God, have lost their hope in their marriage, have lost their hope in their future. God says, these are the ones I love to minister. Why? Because they don't expect it at all. I want to come through and I want to move in their life in a way that they never thought that I would move. I see you exactly where you're at. Even when walking through the dark valley of death in Psalms 23, 4, I will not be afraid for you are close beside me, guarding and guiding me all the way. We see a second thing here in this verse. It said that he knew the man. Now, this, this phrase here is the word gnosis, which is the, the, the root word of the epigenosis, which speaks about intimacy. That when he looked at this man, he didn't just see his external problem. He knew him. The word implies the idea of felt. He felt your pain. He felt what this man was going through. He knew exactly what he was experiencing. He knows exactly what it feels like to feel like you're frustrated about your relationship with your spouse. He knows exactly what it feels like to be betrayed and and backstabbed and left behind. He knows exactly how you feel and knows exactly where you're at. He knew this man and knew exactly where he was at. Verse Peter 3.12, for the Lord is watching his children, listening to their prayers. And then it says this, Jesus spoke to him. When I read this in this verse, I felt the Holy Spirit prompt me to say this to you today. Many of you here today have been so hopeless for a situation for so long. It's been a long time since you've heard the voice of God. And this year, I'm gonna believe this for you, that God's going, that your ears are gonna be open and your heart's gonna be open like never before to hear the voice of your Savior once again. Many of you have had sick hearts for wanting a child and many of you have had sick hearts over wanting a ministry career. Many of you have had sick hearts over whatever it might be in your life. And you said, Lord, I just haven't heard you in this area. Lord, you want you to speak to me so clearly. I want you to, the Lord wants to speak to you once again. He wants to come and speak to your heart and speak to your mind and speak to your thoughts. He wants to encourage you once again. Jesus made two statements and this is what he said. He said, would you like to be healed? This word healed means, would you like to be made whole? Would you like to be restored? Now, Jesus asked this question of this man, as I mentioned, because this guy didn't even think it was a possibility any longer. Would you like to be made whole? This is a question I'm asking you today. Is 2023 the year where you're going to see the breakthrough that you've been praying for? Do you want to see God heal you? Do you want to see God transform you? Come on, do you want to see? Come on, I want to encourage you today. Pick up those prayers and those hopes and the dreams off of the shelf of your life once again. Pull them off and say, okay, God, 
I'm going to believe once again that you're going to do a miracle in my life. Come on, once again, God, I'm going to pull this off the shelf. I'm going to pull this off. I'm going to put this back to the top of my list of prayer, God. I got so tired of praying for these things. God, once again, I'm going to put it at the top of my list. And I'm going to believe, God, you're going to heal my marriage. God, I'm going to believe you're going to help me get out of debt, God. God, I'm going to believe you're going to make me whole. And you're going to restore my mind. And you're going to heal me of my diseases. And you're going to heal me and restore me. This is a year of broken addictions over people's lives. And alcoholism being broken. And uh, drugs being broken. And pornography being broken. And Lord, I feel some of us are even addicted to anxiety, anxiety being broken and fear being broken. This is the year where God wants to make you whole. 9 a.m., are you awake? This is the year. Why would he ask this guy this question? Why did he just heal him? Because the next verse he's about to heal him. Because he wanted him to get his mind wrapped around the idea that, oh, I can put my hope in Jesus. I shouldn't be putting my hope in my career. I shouldn't be putting my hope in my future relationships. Or I shouldn't be putting my hope in my ministry. I shouldn't be putting my hope in these things. Oh, I could put my hope in Christ. Do you want to be made whole? Do you want to see restoration? Do you want to see transformation? The Lord says, good. Now put your hope in me. Put your attention in me. And Jesus makes this statement here. He basically says this, get up, pick up, and walk. Now I love these words. Because these words speak to uh, another level for you as a person. This, this phrasing here, 38 years he'd been in the same place. 38 years, he obviously had been sick. And as you know, what would often happen in that time, when they were waiting for the pool, they were, they were uh, basically in a big, long lines. And when somebody would jump up and get in the pool, and it was one person, maybe two, they would jump in the pool. That queue, that line they were in would move forward. So they would pick up their mat, and they would set their mat there, and they would move to the next spot. And they would sit there for maybe a day or a week or a month. And then when their next line, they would move up. A lot of people believe that there were so many people there. They had They created their own little system for fairness because people were getting in so many fights over getting healed. And here they are making, and he has this mat, and he has to make a decision. Am I going to pick up my place in line and put my full hope in Christ? Am I going to leave this old thing behind? This, this phrase, get up, actually speaks to the idea of try again. This idea of it's to get up. Come on, it's to shake off your slumber. Really what this, this word means? Wake up! Wake up! You've been in a hopelessness state for so long. It's time to wake up. Come on, it's time to try again. I know you've been hurt in the past. I know you've been broken in the past. I know it's fallen short in the past. But this is a year of trying again. Get up. Shake out of your slumber. Wake up. Let's go at it again. Let's try it again. Let's go for it again. Get up. He says, get up. He says, pick up. The phrase here literally means, in the Greek, this word pick up literally means to elevate. To leave behind the, the level that you're on, the, the place that you're in, the spot that you're at, the place that you've been sitting. It's time to go to the next level this year. We are leaving the old things behind us. We're leaving the old ways behind us. We're leaving the old thinking behind us. We're leaving the old perspectives behind us. Come on, we're leaving our bitterness behind us. We're leaving our unforgiveness behind us. We're leaving our own ideas of how things should go in our life behind us. We are going to elevate and we are going to pick up and we are going to go to the next level and forget about the things of the past and move forward to the high calling of Christ Jesus. Come on, wake up. Try again. 
Let's go to the next level. And then he says this. He says in the scripture, to walk. This word means to advance forward. Many of us, I believe this with all my heart, have been in this place where we've just begun to live our life in a state of, you believe in God, you believe God's real, you, you call yourself a, a disciple or a follower of Jesus, but you've been stuck. You're stuck because you've tried so many times. You're stuck because you've been in the same place. You're stuck because, man, you haven't had forward advancement in your life. And this is the year we're going to try again. This is the year. Come on, we're going to go to the next level. This is the year where you are going to advance. I want you to hear me. You are going to mature in your walk with Jesus this year. I prophesied over you this year. You're going to grow in your walk with the Lord. And when you grow in the walk with the Lord, guess what? Your faith is strengthened. Your joy is restored. Your hope is renewed. Your belief in the miracles of God are, are rejuvenated in your heart. The belief in God's word is restored in your heart. You're back on mission for the kingdom of God once again. When you advance forward in your maturity and your understanding of who Jesus is, everything changes in your life. Remember, this man wasn't a man of faith. This man wasn't a man in the Hebrews 11 chapter. Look how he responded. Do this with me. One, two, three. The first, I want you to read the first two words. Sorry. I'm, never, I'm not really good at this. Okay. When I say three, read the first two words. One, two, three. At once. Today. Now. I'm not going to wait until they come to me and say sorry. I'm not going to wait until they change how they're doing things. I'm not going to wait until that comes. I'm not going to wait until this percolates in my heart. I'm not going to wait until my emotions kick in. I'm not going to wait. I'm not going to wait. At once, today, right now, January 8th, I'm going to make a decision that I'm going to try again, that I'm going to advance and elevate to the next level, advance in my life, that I, I believe that God sees me and that, that God knows me and that God wants to speak to me this year. I believe that the situation that I've been in for so long, for 38 years, for two weeks, for one year, it is behind me now at once i'm gonna get up and i'm gonna try again because i'm gonna be restored and i'm gonna be healed listen sometimes you have to grab the declaration of the prophecies and the word of god and declare them over your life and fight for your life to say i will not be the person that i was in 2022 i'm gonna see more miracles i'm gonna see more transformation i'm gonna see more freedom i'm gonna see more breakthrough Come on, I'm going to see more unity in my marriage. I'm going to see more, more faith to believe for, for the, the purposes of God to be fulfilled. Come on, I'm going to believe that God's going to allow me to be generous this year. And I, I believe God's going to help me in my relationships. Come on, 9 a.m., are you with me this morning? This is a year of going to the next level. This is a year of advancing. This is a year of trying again, amen. God wants to speak to you in fresh words. Come on, why don't you do me a favor? Why don't you stand to your feet? Come on, just close your eyes for a moment. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come forward here and just stand up for me. Come on, every eye closed for a moment. This is my prayer for you today. One word from God changes you forever. One word from God. Holy Spirit, right now, Father, I pray for every sick heart. Every wounded heart, Lord, whether it be large or even small. I pray today, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to them. 
One word, God. Speak to them. Get up. Pick up your mat and walk. This will be the year, God, where we go forward in our walk with you, where we hear your voice like never before. God, I pray for every person in the room today. Father, who doesn't know you, those watching online who maybe don't know you, Father, I pray today, God, that they would make a commitment in their heart, commitment with their mouth, that Jesus, that you're Lord. That's how we start a relationship with you. We just confess, God, you're in control of my life. Just for a moment, with your eyes closed, I just sense the Holy Spirit speaking, even right now. Some of you right now, you've just been so hopeless in a state of frustration and discouragement. Today, it's gone. At once, it's gone. Some of you have some bitterness and some unforgiveness of the past. It's just been holding you back today. At once, it's gone. Thank you.